Welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us here. Four o'clock hour. I can't even say it's a new thing anymore. We're, we're so much used to it. Loving it. Loving this four o'clock hour here on Thursdays. Thank you so much for making the pivot from uh, from our near noon spot earlier and, uh, and thinking with us here about things financial and economic here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. As I mentioned, my name is Joshua Doby. I'm a certified financial planner or CFP professional. We're going to be talking on any number of subjects today. And you know, as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, we're going to touch on on even specific companies. I'm going to do that today. I'll tell you in advance. And I'm also going to tell you in advance, it's not a recommendation to buy, sell, hold, or anything. Everybody's situation is certainly very unique. We strongly, strongly encourage you to reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat with you about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at North Main Financial. Dot com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com. Northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address or a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you. Again, at northmainfinancial.com. Well, thank you so much for hanging with us here uh, on Dollars and Cents. I'm going to jump right into it. I've, I've got a whole laundry list of things here. I, I don't know what happened this past week. Maybe I was just paying attention a little. That's not true. I'm usually paying attention at least a little bit to what's happening around here. But I got a lot of items on what's hot. So our first segment, as uh, as has become our custom now, what's hot? What what kind of things are you seeing on your headlines? Those kinds of things that you're seeing on the news programs, dotting the uh, the reading material, which of course we practically do online uh, with uh, with so many different sources in, in this day and time. I'm going to jump right into it. I got a bunch of them. And if you're watching us on one of the streaming services here for WSIC, if you're on WSICnews.com, if you're on YouTube, if you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, we're everywhere. You, you can touch us. And of course, we're on, we're on the radio. Uh, I love to listen to us on the radio. I'm, I'm an old salt like that, but I really do like that. 105.9 FM uh, here uh, at the lake. Uh, definitely want to take, if you're watching, uh, looking at this, I, I got an iPhone. I'll admit it. I do. I have an Apple iPhone iPhone. And, uh, and I'm saying that not because it makes me particularly unique or because I want to talk about myself, but because Apple has been in the news a lot this week. And now as one of the largest companies, if not the largest uh, publicly traded company, depending upon how you measure those sorts of things uh, around the world, that, uh, that we're talking about certainly a bellwether or certainly the kind of company that we're watching very closely to understand, A, how the consumer is behaving, because obviously they're, they're selling things nonstop. Uh, at Apple, whether we're talking about the iPhone that I just raised there, or whether we're talking about other services that Apple provides. I mean, they, they certainly are a monster when it comes to the consumer spending, but also in terms of their size and heft, certainly inside of uh, popular stock indexes that we watch very closely. So when let me say it this way, when Apple takes a deep breath, I'm paying attention and waiting for them to exhale. So this past week, again, a, a couple of things that probably have dotted your headlines. I'm going to start with the macro one. I'm going to start with the, the uh, the international one. 
a lot of news coming out of China right now uh, with regards to Apple. Now, when, when I say that, we, we do have to take what I'm going to say next with the proverbial grain of salt because we don't always know uh, whether the rhetoric coming from the Chinese National News Service is going to be factual or it's going to be much, more blustering. There, there is some history with that. That's not my commentary uh, on that kind of thing that it doesn't always come to fruition. But there has been noise coming out of China that, that China is going to ban the iPhone or ban the the Apple iPhone uh, for at least their government officials. And, and then, of course, because we think in straight lines here in the U.S., there is some presumption that that ban is going to extend beyond uh, official government officials uh, there in uh, in China to, uh, to the populace. And, of course, we're talking about a gargantuan market when we're looking at those kinds of things in China. So what does that mean for Apple? Well, frankly, in terms of owning Apple stock this week, it hasn't been all that uh, pleasant. Now, coupled with that, if you if you are one who watches Apple closely in terms of their company announcements, their new products, all of those kinds of things, you know that coming up here in a couple of days, I want to say it's Tuesday of next week, the 12th. Check me on that. Make sure that uh, that I'm getting my data straight whenever we're looking at those kinds of things. But I want to say it's Tuesday, the 12th of next week, that they're going to be introducing the next iteration of iPhone. And uh, and again, if, you, if well, you're probably not like me. I I usually get about four, five, six, maybe seven iterations behind with my iPhone because I get comfortable with it, right? So I'm not, I'm probably not their core market in looking at that kind of thing. But I know any number of folks who every time that there's a new iteration coming out, that they're taking a look at it and probably buying it. And of course, Apple is hoping that you do that. And more specifically, see, that's producer bill, the best, the best Tuesday, 10 a.m. Pacific uh, is when it were coming out with iPhone 15. And, and again, you, that may be something that's really high on your radar screen. It's a huge deal. I mean, and, and whether you like them or not, especially if you're an Android user, I'm not discriminating against Android users with what I'm talking about here at all. But uh, but really bringing it from this standpoint, especially if you're an iPhone person or if you're considering looking at, uh, at the iPhone, uh, looks like there's going to be another price jump which is kind of interesting because one of the things that we that we see internally at North Main Financial and any number of folks are watching and seeing the same thing when we're watching what Apple is doing we're starting to see some level of plateauing relative to new device sales now what i mean by that is that we're not seeing the same kind of what seemed like non-stop escalation or non-stop growth in the number of units sold whether it was iPhone iPad iPad pod, uh, iMac, all of the different iterations of the products that they manufacture and sell. It seemed like that there were just more people constantly who were buying them. So there were more units being sold. What we're starting to see is the law of large numbers. This isn't all that hard to predict uh, in advance, is that that's starting to plateau a little bit, meaning we're not seeing this rapid escalation in terms of the number of new units being sold. Let me just say it this way. If they sold 10 million of 14, they may sell 10 million. of It's a lot more than 10 million. I'm just draw drawing out the example there that, uh, that, that we're starting to see some plateauing of that. The reason why that's important is because of what I'm going to say next relative to the pricing. And this we have seen, and, it, and there is pretty significant speculation that this is going to be happening again. An expectation, if you will, that the price point 
for this iPhone 15 is going to be between $100 and $200 more than what it was, what the last iteration was, what it was on for. See, I, Bill, I love you. See, the producer, Bill, there, there's a reason why he's an expert in his field. I mean, you look at these kinds of things and looking at where they are from where the previous ones were, you're looking at 100 there it is, rumored to go up by $100. I've also heard up to $200 in terms of an increase of where iPhone 14 was. Now, the reason why that's important Important is, especially if you're a business, right? If, especially if you're looking at the number of units that you're selling. Well, if we're not selling more units, if we're going to increase profit or we're going to increase the number of profit dollars, we got to raise the price. And I think that's what may be starting to be happening here. So I'm offering that up, obviously, because Apple's huge. When you're looking at how big they are, when you're looking at how much of an impact they have on us as a country, and I, and I don't know about you, but I, I do have an iPhone. I, to my right, I have an iPad. I, I'm not an Apple person, but they all talk so nicely together. They really do. So for someone who's not technologically inclined, and I'm certainly not technologically inclined, boy, it's really nice when the, when those kinds of things talk together and uh, and and do the kinds of things that I want them to do without a whole lot of effort. Well, we're going to take a, uh, a short break here as we're going to take some time to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial here on WSIC News Talk Now. Welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter at, at the football reference, Bill. I mean, I, I, I'm getting excited. I mean, we had college football opening up in a big way last week over the holiday weekend. We got the NFL ramping up this weekend. I am excited, and, I, and, I, and I'm a homer. I'll tell you that in advance. Looking forward to the Carolina Panthers taking the field, and and I am the the, the, the ultimate rah-rah guy right into the bloody end. So I'm I'm hoping for good things as uh, as the Panthers take the field here. But thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter of uh, of, of this week's show. Appreciate it. I love that stuff. I mean, I, I do. I, I love that. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to start. If you're watching us on the socials here, I'm, I might start hopping up and down uh, and, uh, and getting ready for the upcoming season. But thank you so much for hanging with us there. And as we were going to break, I was talking about Apple. I mean, Apple uh, as a company, Apple iPhones, Apple iMacs, Apple iPod, iPad. I mean, they're so much a part of, of our economic landscape. And that's, that's true even if you're an Android user or even if you're like me. I held out for a long time from getting into the Apple mix of things. Things, but my goodness, they do talk well to one another. So uh, it is helpful to me from a business standpoint. But uh, but some interesting things. They're going to be coming out with the next iteration of iPhone here this next week, uh, anticipating there's going to be a price hike. And, and we're not talking about cheap things. You know this. If you're one who has bought iPhones in the past or you are, are, are thinking about buying one uh, or iPads, I mean, they, these are not cheap items. These are significantly expensive items. Going to be very interesting to see what their sales numbers look like with the increase that's anticipated in terms of the sale price. So we're going to be watching that because, uh, again, when we're talking about all things economic here in the U.S., when we're looking at how the consumer spends, certainly how they're buying their electronics is a big portion of that. All right, I'm going to pivot here a little bit and, uh, and and go into the next point of what's hot. I'm extending the what's hot segment here for at least two segments because, hey, as I told you at the beginning, I got a ton of stuff. I mean, there are a lot of things hitting the radar screen right now, and most of it is time sensitive. 
that's why I'm expanding this a little bit. And then the next one has to do, you've heard me say this, if you've been a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, you've heard me talk about this a lot. I'm going to hit it again. And that has to do with the restarting of federal student loan payments. And and I'm slowing down here just a little bit because this, this is this is huge. It really is. I mean, when you're talking about upwards of, uh, I mean, of, of literally of millions, millions of folks who have federal student loan payments that are now going to restart after uh, a pause here of, of literally three and a half years. Uh, it's closer to three years, not, not quite three and a half years, but, uh, but about three years worth of pause in payments on federal student loans, not private student loans. You hear me segmenting that there. There's a reason why if you've got a private student loan, you know it's been business as usual pretty much since, uh, since the beginning. But for federal student loans, which were paused uh, because of um, uh, certain policies put in place during pandemic when things were shutting down, uh, that now we're going to get that restarted again. And there's going to be no, there's no 11th hour move here that I can see. It's not like it's going to say, well, no, we're going to pause it again. I, I don't see that in the cards at all. This is going to restart. It's going to be restarting here, depending upon your particular program sometime over the next, well, it could be right now to the next couple of weeks when you're going to need to start making those payments again. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up, A, because it applies to so many people. It may apply to you, may apply to kids, grandkids, those kinds of things. You definitely want to make sure that that's on your radar screen. But more importantly, from the, my end of the universe, is observing what the effect of that is on us economically. Let me put it this way. If you haven't had to pay three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars a month or more, which many, many, many folks do uh, or had to do for their federal student loan payments up until the time that they were paused. If you haven't had to do that for the last several years, and I'm just saying this observationally, it's not I'm not talking political, I'm not talking about my my opinion in this particular instance, but rather uh, observationally, if you haven't had to do that for the last couple of years, Folks just spend those dollars differently. I'd love to say that they were saving the money the whole time. I'd love to say that folks who were doing that were putting it aside in a savings account and just treating it like they're still making those payments. Or even though they weren't required to, they still made those payments, which you could do uh, during that time. And I know there are folk, there are those of you out there who, who actually did that. But relatively speaking, when we look at the masses, that was not happening. So when we look at it now, then we say, okay, so for literally millions of borrowers, millions of student, uh, federal student loan bar borrowers, they're now going to have an impact to their monthly budget of several hundred dollars to upwards of a thousand dollars and more uh, in their budgets, which they haven't had to do here over the last three years. What is that going to mean to us economically? It's going to change things. Now, does that mean that things are going to stop and crash? No, I'm not that. You know, I'm not the extreme guy. This is not me, you know, trying to frighten or scare or, or otherwise call things other than what they are. But it it absolutely is going to have an impact. Let me put it this way. Let's say you own a restaurant and uh, let's say it caters to uh, a younger crowd, relatively speaking. Uh, there is going to be some impact, especially if you have multiple locations. There is going to be some level of impact by folks who are not diverting those dollars to things like restaurants um, or movie theaters or to retail spaces, certainly retail spaces, which cater to a younger demographic set, that uh, there's going to be an impact felt. And, and what is it going to be? A tr truthfully, I, I don't know. We haven't gone through this kind of space before where there has been such a, a button push or such a pivot in a very short amount of time in terms of impacting uh, 
uh, folks' budgets, especially the younger set, the younger professional set. So we're going to watch that and see that. But, I, but I'm offering that up in a couple of different veins here. A, if you have federal student loans, make sure you're ready uh, for those kinds of things. Very, very important that you make sure that you're ready for those kinds of things to restart uh, if you're not aware of it. And then observationally, again, with us at North Main Financial, we're watching and we'll see what that means to us economically. Uh, it's going to have some effect. And, uh, and we're going to have to really wait to see what the ripple effect is from that in terms of consumer spending, which you've heard me say almost ad nauseum. Consumer spending, remember, about two-thirds to three-quarters of our GDP, meaning two-thirds to three-quarters of approximately uh, or, or approximately about how we move as a country. And, and so it has a, a huge effect. And that kind of ties into the discussion about Apple coming out with the new iPhone and all of those kinds of things. So important stuff when, uh, when we're looking. At that. Now, I'm going to pivot again a little bit here in my next item on, on what's hot. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to say it from this, that, well, first of all, if you don't know, and, and I know uh, that the chief here, I know, I know Justin is a foodie. He, he is. I mean, he, he's the guy who really enjoys food. I, I am too. I mean, the, the difference is Justin has taste, and I just like to eat whatever's in front of me. Truthfully, I do. And anyhow, I'm saying that from the standpoint that some news today that came across the radar screen. So if you're a fan of Subway sandwiches, all right, and this is not, this is not advocating Subway over Jimmy John's or Jersey Mike's or any. I love them all. I truly do. I, I could truly have all of them at, uh, at any time. But notable from the standpoint that the Subway Corporation uh, is being sold to a group called Rourke Capital. Now, you may not know who Rourke Capital is, but I'll, I'll bet you know some of the labels that they own, uh, and they are definitely in the franchise food business. They own Jimmy John's. They own, I should say, they own portions of or complete ownership of several different franchise companies, including Jimmy John's, including the Cheesecake Factory, and now they're buying up uh, Subway. And so what's that going to mean in terms of getting your favorite sandwich at Subway? Well, I hope it doesn't mean much of anything. I hope it's business as usual. It doesn't seem like that business is going to change all that much. But noteworthy in my end of the universe when those kinds of things change hands. And uh, and, and certainly uh, for someone like me, I'm, I'm just hoping that they continue to have the great sandwiches that I, I don't know, I mean, at least in high school, I practically grew up on those kinds of things, especially when they were running specials. Those specials were my favorite thing. That and Burger King specials, I think were pretty much how I made it through the high school and college experience. So anyhow, so again, another note to, uh, to know there. I'm going to bring up a big one now. And, and it's a big one, another big one. I'm going to pivot here a little bit again uh, because I prob and it probably made you hungry. I'm hungry now thinking about Subway sandwiches. So I'm going to pivot so I don't think about hunger and, uh, and, and give another big one, especially for us here in North Carolina. And, uh, and this is probably going to branch over the, uh, the halfway mark here. So I'm, I'm going to walk through this one a little bit slower because of its impacts, again, on how folks spend, but also some macro thoughts about, uh, about how folks consume entertainment. So if you are a, a subscriber to Spectrum or Charter uh, Communications, you probably have experienced, especially if you uh, subscribe to their cable service, you probably have experienced some disruption in terms of the number of channels that are offered to you through their cable service. Uh, here in the Carolinas, it's, it comes through Spectrum. Uh, even though the larger group is Charter Communications, it comes through Spectrum, the old-time Warner uh, that, uh, that offers us cable service in many of our areas here in the Carolinas. And if you were like me, 
here several days ago or within the past week, you took a look at uh, some of the channels and there was just a message on there that essentially said uh, that there is disagreement between Spectrum slash Charter Communications and Disney. Now, what what does that mean? Well, that, that's a pretty expansive idea. We're going to talk about that in the second half there. That's a little teaser. I want you to hang with us. But essentially what it means is there's, there's disagreement about how much is going to be paid between those two entities to be able to supply the channels that Disney offers to Spectrum subscribers. Now, you may say, well, at Disney, I didn't know they were in the television business. They absolutely are. As a matter of fact, if uh, if you take a look at the, the stations that they own, they probably are going to be some of the more familiar ones to you. For example, network-wise, ABC, owned by Disney. And, and then in my world, and I think producer Bill would, uh, would agree with me here, the whole ESPN franchise, and I'm not just ESPN, but it's ESPN Plus, it's ESPN News, it's ESPN. Uh, what's what's the one that does the uh, ESPN U? Does the old college get? Love that station. Love looking at old uh, old football games and all, and old basketball. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. But uh, so they own all of it. Disney owns all of that kind of thing. So huge, and we're not talking about millions. We're talking about billions of dollars in terms of in terms of interaction between just Spectrum. Not talking about Comcast. Or we'll talk about that here in a few minutes after the break. But not talking about Comcast, not talking about any of the other big providers, but just with Spectrum, $2.2 billion was the last amount that they had paid to Disney in order to offer those channels on their platform. And now that uh, Disney is, is asking for more, Spectrum is balking. And so for at least right now, we have a stalemate. Well, the reason why that's such a big deal, if you're somebody like me, is it's football season. <laughs> and there are football games, specifically Monday Night Football, which now are not going to be on Spectrum, at least as of right now. So a big, big deal. We're A little bit of a teaser there. We're going to come back here after the break and talk more about that because that affects a lot. And we're going to talk about what that means in terms of how we consume entertainment as well. Appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial here on WSIC News Talk Now. Welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half of this week. Football reference. It's football season. I'm excited. I am looking forward to the Panthers again this weekend. I'm a hometown. I'm a, I'm a homer. You just you see that we got sound effects too. You thought this was just about money and economics. No way. We're, we're, we're touching on all kinds of stuff here on dollars and cents, but I appreciate so much. You're hanging with us into the second half and, and I get excited. I, I have to tell you how you can get a hold of us. If you'd like to call us here in the studio and, and it's not always that I can get to the sub or that I can necessarily address your particular question, but I always enjoy hearing from you. Always want to hear from you about the kinds of things that may be on your radar screen from an economic and financial standpoint. Certainly, if it's with regard to your personal experience, I'm probably not going to obviously make recommendations here on the air, but definitely want to hear from you because I could talk about it in general terms. And obviously, we're wanting to make this as relevant and meaningful to you as we possibly can. So feel free to give us a call. I know it's a phone call. It's a big deal. I know you got to dial numbers. Not too many of us do that anymore. I do, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3400. 
844-788-3464. Again, 844-788-3464 to call us here in the studio. Love to hear from you. Love to address the kind of items that are on your mind. And certainly if we can integrate them into the show, we certainly want to do that. All right, coming back to uh, to Disney. And, uh, and, and now I'm not talking about mouse ears and I'm not talking about amusement parks, although that is definitely a part of, uh, of Disney. But talking about the disagreement, I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it. The disagreement right now between Disney and Spectrum or Charter Communications with regards to Spectrum Cable folks, which include me and, uh, and, and approximately 15 million of my friends uh, that are also subscribers to, uh, to Spectrum Cable about, uh, about hosting or, or airing content from Disney through Disney Networks, Disney Channels. And again, if you don't know what, uh, what Disney owns, I'm not going to go through all the, the, uh, the labels. They, they own a bunch of stations, but I'm going to give you some that I know are very uh, top of mind to you. ABC, the network, ABC, um, and then the big one in, in my end of the universe for someone who, who really likes to consume uh, sports, uh, ESPN. The entire ESPN franchise, ESPN Plus, ESPN uh, U, ESPN News, ESPN Two, Three, Four, however many there are. I know there are a bunch of them that are, that are sitting out there, but um, but they own all of it. And so the, a very, very big deal when we're looking at the kinds of things that uh, that Spectrum is missing. And, and, and I don't know if this was planned or not, but certainly it's happening. We're coming right into the start of football season. So relative to ESPN, we're talking about Monday Night Football. Huge, huge audience then. You know, if you're talking about 15 million subscribers here, they're not going to be able to, to uh, partake in that. I'll tell you. Just in conversations and just in some of the the research that I was doing over the weekend to say, okay, what are Spectrum folks doing? They're moving. And when I say they're moving, they're not necessarily dropping their cable subscription, but they're looking at other options. And that's really what the, the pivot into what I'm going to talk about next year uh, as, we, as we break into the second half of this week's Dollars and Cents show. And it really has to do with how folks consume entertainment. And producer Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot here for, uh, for just a minute, talking about streaming services. So if we're talking about the kinds of things that you know, we're, we're, we're watching TV or for watching it on, on a device, I, I would guess that you're probably a consumer of streaming services in some way. Correct. Yeah, and and, and 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 my guess is just based upon data, you may have more than one. If you are a consumer of streaming services, yes, about a handful, <laughs> more than I can keep track of. So a handful. All right, I'm not I'm not going to press you any further because I don't want <laughs> I, I really don't want to put you on the spot. But uh, but but I think that's common. I, I'm the same way. And uh, and and so interesting that uh, that we're in a space right now from a consumption of entertainment standpoint where we have options. Because I'll tell you, growing up, and and, and this now I'm, now I'm really going to date. My Myself here a little bit, but I remember the crossover when cable uh, became a huge deal, meaning a new item, and we no longer had, at least in my end of the of the universe, three network channels sort of a fuzzy black and white grainy uh, public broadcasting channel, and that was it. But then we had cable, and all of a sudden we had 200 channels of, well, not a whole lot that we wanted to watch, but we still had them. It was a huge deal. And I know it's hard for you to believe if you're, like, if you're younger than about 45 years old, but that's the way that it used to be. Now we're in a space where, and this has happened obviously very quickly, very rapidly here over the last five or ten years or so, where we have countless options. I was talking with, uh, with folks and, and producer Bill, I don't know if this is something that's part of your experience, YouTube TV. Uh, and YouTube TV, now, if most of you know YouTube, right? Go watch videos. Somebody records something. They put it up on YouTube. You can watch it, uh, that kind of thing. Well, there's a whole TV service, and I've experienced it firsthand, where you can watch networks. You can watch 
ESPN. If you can't watch it on Spectrum, you can get it on. Uh, I mean, Bill, I'm, have you experienced this as well? Yeah, I do not have YouTube TV, okay. um, but it is something I'm looking into because I know Justin has it. Yeah. Um, and a couple of my other buddies have, and they, they're just not having the same problems that I'm having with, <laughs> with this uh, dispute. So. Well, it, it's real. And, so, and, and I guess part of the interesting uh, aspect of things, just like you're experiencing, part of the interesting aspect of things is that people can move so quickly. So, so we can, you know, whether it's dropping spectrum and adding YouTube TV, I mean, probably you can do it within seconds. I'm sure if, if you're adept uh, technologically, sure. you probably can do it uh, w w within seconds. So not only are there options, but it's easy to move. So when we're looking at this from a consumer standpoint, it's changing the entire dynamic. Again, growing up uh, where we were when, when cable first was coming online, you had one option. And if you wanted to have cable, then it was fill in the blank, whoever the, the, the cable provider was, or you didn't have it. And you kept the rabbit ears that were covered in aluminum foil. And, um, you know, there's someone like me who was outside who was trying to adjust the rabbit. I know, I'm really dating myself now. Uh, I'd be, and again, if you're younger than age 45, you probably think I'm just a lunatic with what I'm saying here. But no, it was the way it was. And so there was one option there now, and now we literally have dozens of, uh, of options that are available to us. So what does that mean? What does that mean to us economically? What does it mean in terms of, of what we can anticipate? Disney's a huge company. It's it's going to have some kind of ripple effect, but I think what it's speaking to is really a larger, more of an economic uh, sort of shift, not sort of shift, it is a shift in terms of how we consume our entertainment. And it's not binary, it's not just Disney, and it's not just Spectrum, although this is huge. We talk about 15 million subscribers. We're talking about a lot of people, including several folks right here in the studio, who are affected by that kind of thing. But really more speaking to where folks are spending their dollars. And you hear me talk about the consumer all the time. I'm going to do it again. And the reason why is because it's such a huge deal. There, that literally is, is, is two-thirds to three-quarters of how our economy moves. So where they're spending their dollars and how they're spending their dollars definitely has a measurable impact. So we're going to be watching that. We're going to be watching Disney and Spectrum. I thought it would have been resolved by now, frankly, because we're coming into football season and such a gargantuan amount of advertising that's, uh, that, that's out there. Uh, it hasn't yet. Uh, I, I could speak firsthand because <laughs> we have Spectrum Cable uh, at the house. Hasn't happened. But I'll tell you, I also have YouTube TV now. So uh, and I was able to watch football on ESPN. Now, I'm not recommending it, not recommending YouTube or Google or, or anything else. Google, by the way, is the parent of YouTube, just in case you're wondering. That's why I'm saying it that way. Not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Google. Not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Charter Communications or Disney. None of it. But realization that we are pivoting as a country. And you can make the argument worldwide, but certainly here in the U.S. about how we consume those kinds of things and those monopolistic kinds of um, places that, that we've occupied here in terms of specifically television consumption because of the streaming services which are available to us, not just through our TVs, but through our devices, through our, 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 our tablets, through our phones now, really reshaping the entire landscape. It's going to be very interesting to watch. We're going to continue to keep on on top of it and uh, and keep you updated there because it does not only affect so many folks but also indicative of where we are as an economy all right 
d data point here, and, uh, and and I want to bring this to your attention. I saw this this past week, dug a little further into it. It's pretty much uniform across the board. If you are one, and I'm pivoting. I know I'm going to go from I'm going to go from football to entertainment, and I'm going to give you health insurance. You got to hold on here on dollars and cents. We don't slow down in <laughs> moving between these things. Big item that's out there. If uh, if you are one who has a group health insurance policy, now it's group health insurance. Those those folks who work for employers that provide health insurance on a group level, meaning that you are able to, usually through payroll deferral of some kind, uh, able to buy a health insurance policy or, or have your health insurance through your employer. Uh, I looked at this and it was it was a little shocking when I saw it, and that's why I dug a little further into it, but the increases in cost uh, that we're anticipating for next year. So cool, let's call it quasi-calendar 2024, although everybody's uh, spaces shift differently. Um, and, but generally speaking, open enrollment times are October, November, so we're coming into those times for a lot of employers right now. Increases in cost to employers of about 6.5%. That's huge. 6.5% in one year, year over year. That's a, that's a significant increase in cost. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that your group health insurance cost is going to go up by 6.5%, but it's going to go up. So maybe your employer absorbs part of it. Maybe you uh, pay for part of it. Maybe your employer absorbs all of it or none of it, and then your cost will go up, some notably on average. It's not true for every single uh, provider, but we're seeing that 6.5% when it comes to employer health insurance. Big deal. Big deal. It affects it affects the, the amount that we're taking home and in income. It affects our budgets. It's, it's a very big item. Wanted to make sure that you had that data point out there. Well, I know you've been waiting uh, for the fourth quarter football reference. Waiting for the fourth quarter here as we're talking about the markets, what we're seeing right now, what's coming up next. I promise you it's going to come up here right after the break. Thank you so much for hanging with us here on the third quarter. Hang with us for the fourth quarter here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Welcome back to the fourth quarter here on Dollars and Cents Football Reference. It's football season. I know you're, you're going to get it constantly from me. I'm excited. Love football season. Um, and, and, and I can't say that I am as excited about all things pumpkin spice. Uh, now, now I know that the, the chief here, Justin, he, he, he likes things pumpkin. If you, By the way, I, I, I got I a shout out. The, those folks in the morning show are so nice. If you haven't done this yet here on WSIC, make sure Monday to Friday, 7 to 9, Good Morning LKN, Great show. Great show. And I'm not just saying that because they say, well, they did say nice things about me this morning. So I guess this is a little quid pro quo. You can, you can go ahead and nail me on that. That's all right. Great show. Uh, if, if you haven't, and, and you're maybe like me, that you haven't been listening to morning radio as much uh, in the past, which, by the way, you don't even need a radio anymore, WSICnews.com, all the socials, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, oh, excuse me, X. Uh, no, I, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter because uh, I'm an old-fashioned guy who gets stuck in this habit. If it's X, uh, you can get it all. So check it out. 7 to 9, Monday to Friday. Good morning, LKN. The chief, uh, Justin, is on there uh, talking about that. He, he's into pumpkin spice. I, I'm, I'm not. And that, that's no disrespect to Starbucks or anybody else that has pumpkin spice stuff. But I do love the fall season and bring on the football. We're going to get it. NFL this weekend, I know. May, well, it actually has a whole lot to do with dollars and cents. Because when you talk about the NFL, we're talking about billions with a B in terms of dollar impact of uh, <laughs> 
of economic movement in our country. It is amazing the uh, the amount of dollars that move because of uh, of NFL the NFL season. Whether we're talking about advertising, whether we're talking about merchandise, whether we're talking about tickets. My gosh, have you been to an NFL game? You know how much tickets cost. It doesn't even have to be a good team anymore. <laughs> no kidding. I mean. It- Panthers. They are a good team, though. They are, and we're looking forward to the season. Even though Burns, we got to get Burns back in. Uh, uh, our edge rusher uh, is uh, is holding out a little bit here. Bill, any update on that? Are we, we going to get him in for the opener? What what are we looking at? I'm hoping we get him in. I'm hoping Joe Berg's show later on the scoreboard has is, has some good news for us. The, Joe Joe Berg here on uh, on the sports desk here at WSIC. If anybody's going to have the inside, he's going to make sure you hang around after the show here. Let's, Joe, Joe's going to have the insight, and I'm hoping he has. Good Good news for us because we need that guy. We need that guy on the edge. We've got a young team. We need some of that experience to be able to help us out, especially in putting a little pressure on the opposing quarterback. All right, I'm going to keep talking football if you let me all night here, but let's pivot. Fourth quarter of today's show. Thank you so much for, for hanging with us here. I was talking about health insurance right before the break there, and and, and I, I get it. It's not a particularly riveting sort of subject. However, if you are one who buys health insurance through your employer, some of the data that we're seeing here in terms of the cost increases, frankly, there are cost increases every year, but they tend to be the two to 3% range, maybe 4% some years that we've seen here. Six and a half percent is what the average increase to uh, group health, health insurance premiums are anticipated here for next year. Now, for many of you, open enrollment is going to be in, in October, November. You're going to be making decisions about health insurance coverage through your employer if you have that kind of thing uh, or and other kinds of benefits at that time. Uh, I'm just saying that to give you a little bit of a heads up. There's probably going to be a notable increase there if the employer is passing on that cost to you or passing on some of that increase to you. So just kind of keep that on your radar screen. Kind of a big deal. All right. Now, before we get into the markets, promise I'm going to get to it. Promise I'm going to. I know that's why you're here. I, I do. I got one, one more data point here, and this this just hit my radar screen. Now you got to understand that I that I go through voluminous amounts of data, and I'm not saying that to say anything about myself. I'm just saying that there's a lot of data out there, and and different data points that that we watch. Whether we're talking about market movements, currency movements, how how folks are buying and selling, at what speed that they're buying and selling. This doesn't have anything particularly to do with that. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I want to share it with you here. Toyota. All right, Toyota, the car company, you know them, publicly traded. This is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Toyota car company. And I've heard about this. They had this model that they only offered, I believe it was exclusive in Japan. And uh, and, and and if I'm saying that incorrectly, call me up, 844-STUDIO-4. Let me know where I'm going wrong here. But I believe this is correct, that uh, that they had this uh, this model called Century. And, uh, and obviously, that's the, that's the English translation from the Japanese. But they had this model called Century. And, and I'm offering it up to you just as a kind of a fun anecdotal sort of nugget uh, item here. They're going to start offering it outside of Japan. Now, before you get real excited about it, uh, recognize that the Century for Toyota is akin to probably what we would think about as a Rolls-Royce uh, here uh, outside of Japan. And I say that because the anticipated tag price on it and the anticipated retail price on it uh, for the Century, uh, for the Toyota Century, $170,000. 
for one car. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm going to date myself again. See, there it is. See, I, I love producer Bill. He's got it. He's got it right here, this SUV uh, that, that's uh, that's going to be offered outside of uh, Japan. $170,000. And again, I know I'm going to date myself here. And if you're uh, my age or a little bit older, you understand what I'm saying. I could have bought a couple of houses. Actually, I, I did buy a couple of houses for less than $170,000 uh, earlier on in life. And now we're talking about a single car. I know there are lots of cars out there that are that expensive now in this day and age, but holy smokes. See, and producer Billy, he's, he's, he's literally here in the studio. He's bringing up some of the, the pictures here. Okay, it looks cool. It does. All right, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pay $170,000 for an SUV, but... Yeah, it looks cool. So if you have opportunity and that's kind of your thing, now you know you're going to have the opportunity no longer just offered in Japan. We're going to have it uh, here. But apparently they're only producing 30 a month, uh, 30 of these things a month. So, uh, you know, it's if it's like anything else, Bill, they're probably we're gonna probably have bidding wars next. Right. I mean, you're going to see these kinds of things. Uh, probably not anything I watch, but I mean, you're probably going to have the kinds of things where people are going to be bidding on them, trading them. We could uh, put a nice uh, WSIC logo on the oh, side of one of those. Wouldn't that be something? One of those wraps? You oh, know, yeah. One, one that'd of be those, nice. See, yeah. I think. Yeah, let's now, put 170, another 170 on a wrap. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. It, it. Let's talk to the chief. Let's talk to Justin. I'm sure he'd be interested in that. And uh, we'll put him on the hook uh, for, for, for that kind of thing. I don't think there's any problem at all with that. If you like that idea, 844 Studio 4, call us in here. Put some pressure uh, on the on the chief to uh, to make that happen. All right, markets. I know that's uh, that, that's a big item here. Let's talk about where we are. It's a bit of cooling off here in August. Pivoted into September, running uh, quickly here towards the end of the third quarter. Definitely a cooling off. By the way, anecdotal sidebar item. Uh, September tends to be among the most volatile uh, months in the markets, uh, as measured by our most popular stock indices. That's his, that's history. Doesn't mean that September this September is going to be uh, necessarily volatile. But we had a fair amount in August. Actually, when you look at the most aggressive end of the markets here in August, it was not very pleasant. Now you got to take that in context because the more pleasant ends of the markets here, the seven months prior to that, just looking here at calendar year 2023, were the most enjoyable as measured by our more aggressive stock indexes. Doesn't mean every stock. Doesn't mean every company. Doesn't mean your portfolio was that way. But when you look at it in terms of broad measure of the overall markets, the more aggressive end of the market was more enjoyable in the first seven months. Well, we had a little bit of comeuppance here in uh, in in, uh, in August, and that was a little bit earlier. September, again, tends to be the more volatile end of things, but we started to have it here in August. And, and so a lot of speculate, why is that the case? If you watch any business news program in the country, they're going to give you their opinion. You're going to get a whole bunch of so-called experts who are going to do it. You're getting a so-called expert here on dollars and cents. But I certainly want to share with you my thoughts for what they're worth. Take them or discard them as you as you deem appropriate. But definitely there had to be some reversion to the mean. And that's that's you hear me talk about this all the time. I know it's an old school idea, but it literally is real. It's mathematical, right? If you're running above the mean or average for a significant amount of time, you you are at some point going to run below the average for some notable amount of time in order to make the average. I know, big stuff, big math there. Uh, not, not really. Okay, that, that's how it works. Now, the averages can shift. The averages can change, certainly. I'm not talking about a static average or a static sort of, of, uh, uh, of movement where it's equilibrium in both ways. Markets never run that way. But it is true that if we're running hot, if we're running above it for a significant amount of time, at a certain point, 
probably going to have a little bit of cooling off. We had a little bit, not much, uh, at least in my world relative to, uh, to pullback kinds of things in August, but we definitely had it. So what does that mean now for the rest of the year? I'm going to start out with a terrible answer. Nobody knows. We all look at the same pile of data and try to understand what may be in the proverbial tea leaves for what comes next. But there are some certain things, there certainly are some things that are, that are ahead of us that we know uh, are, are important to keep on our radar screen. We're always watching the Federal Reserve, especially in this interest rate raising cycle about what they anticipate doing next. It seems like, and that's the best way that I can describe it, it seems like there are more members of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors who make the votes in terms of adjusting the overnight lending rate. It seems like there's more inclination now to start cooling off, meaning to not raise rates. I'm not talking about cutting rates, but to not be raising rates in the future. It doesn't mean they're going to. I mean, there are 12 votes around that table, so it's not like uh, any one person who begins to postulate a little bit that they're that that's uh, what they're going to do because there are definitely there are differing viewpoints around that table which is good I think I think it's important to have differing viewpoints different perspectives on what needs to be done next but I anticipate that we're probably closer to the end of the cycle than we are to the beginning and that's important when we're looking at the kinds of things that impact or that are impacted by a, a, a rising interest rate environment specifically the markets we're talking about here looking into the fourth quarter, yeah, I and I'm, I know I'm conservative, so you're going to talk to a dozen other folks who are going to give you a different answer. I'm anticipating a fairly cool fourth quarter, truly. I mean, I, I really am. So when we're looking at what, what you know, and this is, yeah, some reversion to the mean idea, meaning that if we've gone hot, we're going to go cool. But there are parts of the market that haven't moved much at all. As a matter of fact, they're even negative for the year. If we're talking utilities, we're talking oil and energy, we're talking pharmaceuticals, financials, significant portions of the market, which are flat to negative this year. But I'm still, I still anticipate a relatively cool fourth quarter at this point. That can change. I mean, that's why I come on every week. That's why you come in. That's why you tune in every week. Want to make sure that we're keeping current because those kinds of things can pivot all the time. Well, friends, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Appreciate so much your, your willingness to hang with us here. Let's do a really fast recap talking about where we've been. Apple, new iPhone coming out. Markets, when we're looking at what's happening for the fourth quarter, a lot that we don't know yet, but we're going to continue to watch it. And certainly we're going to continue to bring that information to you. Thank you so much for hanging with us on Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.